0: Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blog cast. Um, Thank you for listening. I have several new listeners, so hello and welcome, and thank you for joining in on the Songs for the Struggling Artist adventure. (laughs) we are at episode 53, which means there's been 52 before this one. Um, Not all of them are still available uh, because of the way I'm doing my hosting. Um, But I am exploring other options. So there may be ways to get into the back catalog at some point. So have no fear. And you can always read about it on the blog, which is at artiststruggle.wordpress.com. Um so today, I am going to read to you a post that is called Social Media and Discussion. Um, this got almost no views on the old internet. It's so interesting how non-reflective of itself things like Facebook and Twitter and so on can be. I, I'm stunned. Um, I don't know. So yeah, so I guess like, oh, no, we don't really want to read about social media. <laughs> Um, I get it, I, get, I think. I don't know. and anyway, I, I feel like I need to read about it all the time. I'm, I'm incredibly fascinated by how these technologies are affecting our lives. Um, and I will say that I, 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 a big influence on me at the moment is, this, is Sherry Turkle. I don't know if you guys know Sherry Turkle's work, um, but she is uh, an extraordinary um, thinker. Um, and I just finished her book called Reclaiming Conversation, um, which is not about social media per se, uh, but I think there is something about um, her work that that points to some of the things that I'm thinking about. I think there will be more on this topic in the future. Um, One thing that I I, I haven't quite found the way to write about yet is just how how I assume that people know things because they have been on social media. And then f- I find out like, oh, actually nobody knows about those things. There's, I've, it's, ha- it's happened to me so many times where um, I make an assumption that everybody knows about. So, for example, last year I was, I was working on a show that was inspired by the painter Remedio Varo, And I, I, I was posting about it like every day because of a fundraising campaign. And like, turns out this year someone was like, "Oh, you're making a show about Remedios Varo? How amazing!" She's one of my favorite painters, and this is someone who I'm sure saw my social media posts, or should have seen. Well, you don't know if anybody's seen your social media posts because of the algorithms, and so on. Anyway, the 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 question of who sees what, when, and how, and how you know something, and and then we don't talk about those things in real life with these people because we like, oh, we don't want to tell them something they already know. Anyway, it's I'm. I haven't, I haven't fully formed this thought yet, but I'm working on it. So that, look, look for that in the future. Meanwhile, um, this post is about how we discuss things on social media or how we don't discuss things on social media because it's not really a good place for discussion. Um, so here it is, social media and discussion one of the weird things about sharing my writing on Facebook, which is where I collect the bulk of my views on the blog, is that when it's shared by others, I can sometimes see how people responded to my work without responding to me directly. On my own page, my friends are generally respectful and look at my work in the context of the person that wrote it, since they, most of them, know me. On other people's posts of my work, I have seen some rather startling assumptions pop up. The most vivid example of this was a response to my single gender on a train post. While most of my post was about being a woman in public, there was a bit about the distinction between that experience in New York City and in smaller places. The comment about the blog on my friend's page seemed to be mostly in response to a single line in the piece, the one my friend pulled as a headline. A line about Clinton and the urban-rural divide. thing, by the way, that there have been endless think pieces about. What was interesting about this response was how much of it depended on an assumption about my identity. The commenter seemed to think I was exhibiting signs of urban paternalism. She painted me as a sort of elitist, liberal city snob with no idea what it was like out in the country. Her comment seemed to suggest I was one of those city slickers always being judgmental about those country folk. If you know me, and my history, you might already be finding this as hilarious as I did. Because while I do currently live in New York City, I grew up in the hills of Virginia. My childhood home featured no telephone and no running water. I grew up with an outhouse. One of my chores was to fetch water from the creek. I had to walk half a mile on a dirt road to get to my nearest neighbor's house to play. I think my rural credentials are pretty rock solid. But that's the thing, this rural urban thing is such a knee-jerk response. Folks read one sentence about the existence of a difference between those two places and suddenly we're in a flame war. And I suspect that if this particular commenter had actually read the piece rather than the pull quote, she might have found we had more in common than she thought. The divides we perceive are not as extreme as they seem on social media. Social media comments are not discussion. We get into trouble when we start to think they are. People post articles they haven't read, videos they haven't watched, and other people comment based on those headlines and comments, and outrage ensues, with no one fully aware of the thing they are outraged about. This isn't conversation. This isn't discussion. I heard a comedian describe discussion on the internet as being a lot like shouting into traffic. It's loud, it's noisy, and everyone's busy trying to get somewhere else. This makes me think about academic seminars wherein we read controversial material. For example, we read Freud in my freshman studies psychology class in college. One student was very upset that we were being asked to read The Father of Psychoanalysis due to some of the sexist thinking he brought to the table. She couldn't believe we'd been assigned to read this monster. But as my teacher pointed out, we have to read him to respond to him. We can't ignore his ideas or get furious about the things he was wrong about without actually reading what he said. This was an important lesson for all of us, that we have to actually grapple with the content of something before we can argue with it, and before we could argue with each other. We couldn't just dismiss something out of hand. The most significant factor of those seminars was that we were all present for them. If someone said something controversial, we were in a position to investigate it, to explore it, or to walk our own sentiments back if we needed to. Behind every statement, behind every person, behind every question was a person, a full human being. I think it would behoove us to remember that this is also true about every article we read online, and every video, and every comment. It is easy to forget the complexity of our humanity when we are looking at statements or contents or words that trigger us. I am as guilty of this as anyone. I have had intense emotional responses to seeing headlines or articles I haven't read. I have felt their impact hours after seeing only their titles go by in my Facebook feed. It is natural to have reactions to information, especially when it is disconnected from the people who created it or shared it. But even so, it does feel like my responsibility now to fully read anything I feel inclined to respond to, either in the public forum of social media or in my own private space. I have had to discipline myself to only comment after reading, to only share after viewing, to remember that each and every person that posts, that writes, that comments is a human being, and try to imagine what it would be like to be in a college seminar with them. Human to human, idea to idea. So one thing that I, I couldn't find a way to fold into the this piece, because I, ha- I haven't quite found a way to, to frame it in, in terms of a, a full concept of something. But a friend of mine posted a video uh, that was about uh, children learning how to sign. So non-deaf children, hearing children, are learning to sign when they're babies because it actually really helps their communication. But the, the real main thrust of the video was that while hearing children are learning sign language, deaf children are being... Um, are not learning sign language there's a whole like mo- like thing where they're not getting given the tools that they need at the time that they need them so really at the end of the piece like you found under the video you discovered oh it's actually really about isn't this horrible that we're not letting deaf children use the one mode of communication that they can um, and so i responded to the video that i saw which was like oh my gosh that's terrible i can't believe that they're they're not that they're doing that and the person who posted the video was like what do you mean and I was like, well, you know, and I tried to explain, it, and I realized, like, halfway through, like, she didn't watch the whole video. She saw, like, maybe the beginning, or maybe she watched the, the, the you know, the title or something. So she had no idea, like, what had happened at the end of the video. And and I know for a fact that she would have supported the, the whole concept. So um, it, it's fine, but it created this kind of, like, funny... Mm, like, uncomfortable point between us because she thought I was like, it's outrageous that kids are learning to sign. And I'm like, no, it's not outrageous that kids are learning to sign. That's great. It's outrageous that they won't let them. Anyway, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, we're not talking about the same thing. Mm. And that is how we have a social media discussion. (laughs) Anyway, so because... Um, I feel like conversation is the thing um, that will, that helps, like actual conversation, in-person conversation, without phones, without devices, without information. Especially after reading Sherry Turkle's book, um, I uh, decided that I should put in here um, Simon and Garfunkel's "The Dangling Conversation," um, which I managed to get through without crying, <laughs> which cause sometimes I don't. But um, here it is. This is the Dangling Conversation. It's a still life watercolor
1: Of a now late afternoon As the sun shines through the curtain waves Shadows wash the room And we sit and drink out On the shore, you can hear the ocean roar and the dangling conversation And the superficial sighs The borders of our lives And you read your Emily Dickinson And I, my Robert Frost With bookmarkers That measure what we've lost Like a poem poorly written We are verses out of rhythm Couplets out of rhyme In syncopated time and the dangling conversation And the superficial size Are the borders of our love yes we speak of things that matter with words that must be said can analysis be worthwhile is the theater really dead and now the room is softly and the superficial sides they're the borders of our lives and the dangling conversation and the superficial sides the borders of our